What one thing may be more complex than managing all those emotions roaring through your household in your blended family home? Today's guest will not only give us the answer to that question, she's ready to share easy-to-implement solutions that work. Just like every change you commit to when you choose to uplevel your life, it all starts with one decision. Before I introduce our next guest, I have a few riddles for you. Are you ready? One, my rings are not worth money, but they tell my age. Do you know the answer? It's a tree. Two, I can be found on a busy street, and if you don't pay rent, I'll tell on you. What's the answer? A parking meter. Ready for the next one? What's the easiest way to double your money? Answer, use a mirror. Okay, I've got one more. Would you have more money if you had a million dollars today or a penny today that doubled in value every day for 30 days? The answer, a penny. After 30 days, it would be worth over $5,368,000. A money, it can bring up a lot of different emotions, no matter what family you're in. We know money is important because there are over 3,000 verses in scripture on money. And we all know that one, that the love, the covetousness of money is the root of all evil. Money on its own is not evil. The thing is, is that we haven't necessarily been taught very well how to manage our money. So when we bring these ideas and experiences into our new blended relationship, it can create some challenging conversations. Meet Terry Pena, owner of One Tenth Consulting, treasurer of the Latina Business Network, financial associate at Northwestern Mutual, She's passionate about finances with a biblical approach. She's a wife, a mom, and an entrepreneur who loves working with Christian families. In today's podcast, Terry outlines three simple points, the healing, the communication, and the planning for sound financial management. Let me ask you, how healthy would you say your finances are? We're all in different places and in different spaces. Regardless of where we are on our journey, it's always good to get reminders on how God is calling us to be good stewards of our resources. Hey, if you're ready to embrace healthy financial literacy based on biblical principles, today's episode is for you. P.S. A special thanks to Kadaddle.com, K-I-D-A-D-L.com for the riddles. All right, let's get started with today's mission. Hey there, you're listening to Step Family Mission Possible, the podcast for step families with a focus on step family couples building their legacy together. We know that blending families is hard, and your hosts, me, Jen Rogers, along with my husband, Bill, are determined to make it easier. It's time to turn step family chaos into step family mission possible together so you can stop feeling that pit in your stomach on transition day and start celebrating all the reasons why you are exactly in the right place right now. I 
We are privileged to have a financial planner from the Long Island area of the country. And she comes to us from 110th Financial Planning. Those of you biblical scholars will know the significance of that. We have Terry Pena with us today to talk about finances and blended families. Welcome, Terry. Welcome. Thank you. I'm super excited. I love, love, love this topic. So I'm excited to get into it with you and your audience. What got you into financial planning? I've always been a people person. I've always loved just mingling and meeting. Everything that I've done has always been like sales and marketing and territory acquisition. When we decided that I needed to stay home with the kids because we were on our fifth babysitter, I was like, no, this is just not going to work. And I started staying home. I wanted to build my own business, uh, do something for myself because I just always loved entrepreneurship. And I realized that me and my husband were actually really good when we went from two incomes to one income and that we were able to get everything done, communicate. And I just started taking courses and classes. I loved it. And I said, you know what? This is something that is really missing. This is something that I myself did not grow up with, that nobody taught me, and it just needs to be shared. Uh, And that's what I started doing. That sounds certainly like a great journey. We're excited to hear the wisdom that God has given you in this area. Yeah. Share a little bit about, a little bit more about your earlier background, because we know you can relate to our audience because you are a stepkid. Yes, I am. Yes. I grew up with my mother when I was much younger. My parents got divorced early on. I don't have any memories of them like living together or anything like that. So I'm assuming it was before I was five. And I was always back and forth between both households. My mom passed away when I was about 14. Not only was I used to going back and forth between my mom's house and my dad's house, then my I moved in with my dad when she passed away. Mm-hmm. And got into the dynamic of living with them, with my stepmom. And very quickly, they got um, separated about two years later. And then it was just me, my sisters, and my dad. So I've had a bunch of different household experiences thrown at me when I was young at a very quick age, completely different dynamics, because my mom uh, actually had a Christian background and she would take us to church and we would do those things with her. But in my father's house, it wasn't that way. My dad was more um, Catholic by tradition. So we didn't go to church and things like that. So a lot of different dynamics thrown at us as kids in, in a very quick couple of years. That makes me think about our conversation that we had a little over a month ago now where you were sharing about imprinting and how there are, there's financial imprinting going on in addition to the other imprinting that's happening. Can you share about the challenges that couples face when they come together and bring that imprinting with them in your experience and working with your clients? Yes, absolutely. One of the things that that we forget or that we don't notice is that there's many different areas that affect how we see money, 
or how we handle money or money mindset. And it literally starts from when we're children. Mm -hmm. So if you think back to how your parents raised you and how they handled money and what you saw, and not just the spoken things, but even just the unspoken things, it affects us very deeply and we don't realize it. So if you are in a household where maybe dad worked and mom was a stay-at-home mom and he brought in the money and that's all you saw, and mom didn't touch the money, she didn't handle it, she didn't do anything with it, then that may contribute to how you think that a household finances should be run or how you should do it. On the flip side, maybe if you saw something different where maybe like mom, she managed all the money and she took care of everything and she made most of the major decisions, then guess what? When you get older, you're going to think that's the way to do it. And the same happens with hurts and hangups. Once we actually get past that stage of being a child and then we start managing a little bit of our own money and then we get into a relationship and then not only do you have all your financial attributes from your past and those attributes that are innately in you because we tend to have just certain tendencies as well but then when you mix all that together between you and your spouse and his history or her history and everything that she came with, though that's a lot of information. That's a lot of good things, right? Because there are some amazing things that our parents have taught us. But then that also has a lot of negative things, a lot of hurts, a lot of pains that, that come alongside with. So it can be very heavy and we don't think about that. We don't stop and, and give each other kind of that grace, right? To, to remember that there's many years being of things and mindsets and struggles and pains within ourselves from all those years. And Terry, that, that's a very interesting thing. And we've dealt with that in some other areas of our lives. But when we think about having been married, a couple having been married, sometimes you do adjust your financial beliefs in that marriage and now bring that into a new marriage. Now you're bringing perhaps two other ideas. Maybe you have four different ideas of money coming into the same home. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I love reminding it within the, the fact of communication, we have to remember there's two main predispositions when it comes to finances. There's usually spenders or there's savers. Mm -hmm. Yes, some of us fall a little bit in between the spectrum. But for the most part, sometimes we really tend to lean on one side or the other. So your spender, what is your spender like? Your spender is the person that believes that money is meant to be enjoyed, that we're young and we can work and we can go on vacation now. So it's important to spend that money that's coming in now because we never know what's going to happen tomorrow. So let's just make sure that we enjoy it and spend it. Then we have the saver and the saver believes and sees things completely different. They believe that the money earned was hard earned and it should be saved because when we need it in the future and you just never know what's going to happen and we need to save a nice little nest egg to keep it safe and away and spending money on things that are quote unquote not important, right? Because everybody sees importance in a different level. Need, we need to not spend that money. So you have these two completely different dynamics amongst everything else going on. And 
when we have a specific predisposition, we tend to think that's the right way to do it. The saver thinks that the right way is saving and the spender thinks that the right way is spending. So then you're putting together two completely different mindsets, opinions, dichotomies, and then you're trying to figure out how to manage one household finance and budget. So it can get pretty interesting. Oh, sure. <laughs> I think we've lived some of that interesting. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> so when you were sharing those descriptions, when you were talking about the spender, it was it felt so warm and yummy and gooey inside. Oh, yeah. Vacation. I mean, it's cold and winter here right now still. Spring is trying to spring forth, but not quite yet. And I was thinking, oh, gosh, a cruise somewhere. That would be awesome. Let's go. Yet when you were talking about the saver, I got that, too. I could relate to both of those to say, yeah, I like the idea of having that money for a future purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, I joke from time to time on the show that I like planned spontaneity in relation to finances, having a plan for where we're going to spend that money. I'd like that too. I can see both sides. I'm rooting for you either way to yeah. figure it out. But I, I think one thing certainly we have uh, addressed, and I, I can't say that's one of our biggest hangups, honey. Money's never really been here. Honey, only the kids have been the hang up in our marriage. <laughs> Truth be told, just for all you families out there, yeah. only the kids. But everything else has been pretty cool. But I would say that it's very important based on what you're saying, Terry, that when a couple is thinking about blending, that is one of the really important conversations to have is how do we handle money? And it goes to things like not only do we spend or save, but how do we pay the bills? How do we what do we think about debt? How do we treat that? Because you can see a, a, a person that comes from debt is probably going to get into debt again. And, and that's not going to be a good situation, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because we tend to live in the same cycle unless we have some sort of healing occur. It's important to really sit down together and discuss and make plans and agree and coordinate. And we don't do it. Sometimes the simplest ways to fix a issue or a problem or a hurt and we just don't do we don't make the time for it we blame it on the busyness our jobs our kids our lives right everything in between and we really don't sit down and work on those things or sometimes we just get so stuck in ourselves in our own pain or our own frustrations that it's hard for us to hear and make space and understand our spouse's frustrations especially when it comes to finances. So one of the, the most important things is really just honoring each other, honor each other's differences, the way that we each see it differently, understanding that we grew up differently and that we have different things that have happened in our lives that have shaped us, but making space for that honor. And the way that we can make the space for that honor, I'll give two examples, right? Let's say your wife is a stay-at-home mom. So she may not necessarily make money as in she doesn't have a paycheck that's coming into the household, but her contribution to the family is a financial contribution because she's allowing for the husband to be able to work, to go out there in peace, to know that the kids are safe, that they're being raised with the principles that we want to raise them in, that they're able to be home and, and do all these things. So that is a very important contribution to this household. 
into the household finances. But if in that case, if the husband is not um, making the space for there to be dialogue and conversation and decisions together in regards to the finances, she may not feel like she's being treated um, fairly or equally or that she's not um, being she's not being able to contribute to the process effectively. And that can hurt and wound her deeply. So it's important to make sure that we honor our spouse, the woman in that sense. The same way, another example on the other realm, the husband works and the wife is, is home or she works, et cetera. E either way, it doesn't matter. But there's an agreement and there's a, a spending plan. There's, there's a budget in place. And they say, we're not going to spend X amount of money. But for some reason, the wife just can't seem to not spend and does purchases outside of the agreement and just keeps on spending and spending. And that can hurt the husband deeply because he feels like maybe she's not trustworthy or she can um, keep true to that. That might hurt him deeply and he may feel disrespected. So there's so many different ways that we can really disrespect each other and not honor each other. And it really causes a lot of pain that we need to really work on those things and be mindful of those things because they really do affect the marriage deeply. That's excellent insight, Terry. We just read this morning in Ephesians 5, it, it says, wives, submit to your husbands. But then it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And I, I think these go together. So you've mentioned a few times that we can bring financial hurts either into our marriage or create them in our marriages. What is the healing process that has to occur there for a couple to move on from those kind of arguments constantly? The healing process always occurs with just the reintegration and just including God in our journey. Like it mm. starts there. It always starts there. It's, it's that understanding that we're not perfect, that we don't have it all together, and that we need Christ in our lives and we need the guidance and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to be able to move forward and really live those changes. So when we actually stop and say, you know what, Lord, I cannot do this without you. I cannot do it as a husband. I cannot do it as a wife without you. And together you come together and you make an agreement that you are going to include God in this process, that you are going to let him in, that you are going to seek him and, and wait on him for these big decisions. That's where it comes in. So when we allow him to come in and we allow for him to give us that grace, that that which he gave us on the cross, that we remember that we are forgiven and that we remember that there are things that have happened, that it just is what it is. It's okay. God forgives us and we move forward. We ask for that forgiveness and we press on. That's the biggest thing. That's that's really where where it all lies. It's that integration of Christ. And then after that, then it's the things that we can actually do practically to walk into that. But it won't happen if we don't first include God in our journey. Amen. This pastor's heart feels you can come and join our church anytime, Sherry. <laughs> I, I said earlier, move over Dave Ramsey. <laughs> so great. One of the things that I was thinking of as you were sharing that was that hurting people hurt people. Just to put a point on this so necessary healing 
that it is important that we acknowledge, hey, I'm coming with $29 in my bank account and a $15,000 credit card. And I got to pay child support and alimony. Are you good? (laughs) That can be really tough. And yet when you can deal with the facts, when you, and make them facts instead of make them an attack or have them a label that brings along that guilt and that shame, then you can begin to heal. You can begin to say, okay, God, yes, I am inviting you in. This is where we are. And we know we want to learn more what your word says. We want to lean in to what you have for us in your word. That healing is so important. So we stop hurting one another so that we stop turning that that financial pain into a weapon and we use it as a tool instead. Yeah, absolutely. And what does guilt and shame do? Guilt and shame, all it does is separate us mm-hmm. from God. It makes a, a chasm. It makes a void. And then that same void, we are creating it within our relationship with our husbands and our wives. A lot of times I've seen when I have uh, these financial discussions with Christians, there's this guilt and the shame of, oh, I wasn't a good steward. Like, I know better. I know that I shouldn't mismanage my money. I know that I shouldn't be in debt. And that guilt is so heavy that it doesn't allow the person to move forward. So we go back to the healing part of it. Like, We need to remember that God knows our humanity, that he knows that we make mistakes and sometimes we fall into things that are difficult and hard for us. But once we give that to him, once we say to him, Lord, just, I'm sorry, this happened and I need your help. I need you to restore me. He will restore you. He will restore your finances. He will restore your new marriage. He will restore your household. He will be there to bring you to where he needs you to be. We just have to be willing to let go and put it in his hands. Terry, what you're saying is that finances is just one part of the package. And if our finances are experiencing difficulties in our marriage, that's good evidence that there are other things that are also going by the wayside. And as you say, that we're not really submitting ourselves before God. Yeah, absolutely. But it's doable, right? That I yeah. think that's the, the biggest thing. Sometimes it can feel so big and so heavy that we become blinded by our circumstance and our situation. And we feel like we come, can't come out of ourselves. We just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel within that problem with our husband or within that problem with our wife or within the, the financial problem. Whatever the problem is, we feel so consumed by it that we think we're going to get stuck there. But that is not the case. There's always a way out. That's why God is so perfect and so loving. There's always a way where he can come in and restore the things that that we've lost or restore what needs to be restored. That really speaks to our mission in the sense that we say step family mission possible. It is possible. There are steps that you need to take in order to improve your family life in order to improve your spousal interactions. And the thing about money is we've got to have good communication about money because it comes up 
all the time. You need to pay the electric bill. You need to pay your mortgage. You are deciding if you're buying a new car, you need to pay child support. So it's never going to go away. I'm thinking of, what is it, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, where the dwarves sweep the dirt underneath the rug? Pretty soon you're going to have mounds in that rug, for sure. It's really important that we can get to the point where we're communicating. Once we are healing in the process of healing and practicing this forgiveness. And it does take practice. Oftentimes we think we're going to be one and done. Okay, we made a decision. Our finances are going to be better. So all of a sudden they're going to be better. Yet if we're not talking about them and we're not making decisions together, nothing's going to change. Yes. And the reality is that finances is usually like a slow game, right? It's not oh, you know what, honey, we're going to sit here and we're both deciding that we're no longer going to be in debt. And all of a sudden the debt disappears. Because most likely if there's a lot of debt, we're talking about a game plan that can be anywhere from one to five years. So think about Mm. what it takes, right? The mindset, the stamina, the faith, the, the ability to continue in your planning It's a long haul, right? So you have to be willing to do all those things for one to five years for you to finally see the fruits of what you're working on. So it, it, that's, I think sometimes the hard part for, for us with finances is that it's not like one of those quick decisions that the minute you decide that's the route that you're going to take, that it just happens. Um, and that's why we also sometimes neglect things in, in our retirement because if we're more on the younger end of it, we're not thinking about it. We, like we feel young, we we see what what we have going on as a family, and we're like, ah, we'll feel, we'll figure it out later. We'll figure it out later, 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 and then later comes, and we're like, oh, I should have. Why didn't we? Like we had. Remember, honey, those years when you were working, we were making so much money. Where did it go? We have nothing to show for it, and now we're in our older. Um, ages and we need that money now to, to be able to, to retire well. So it definitely is, it's, mm. it's a tricky area of our lives because not only does it affect so many areas of, of our lives, but it's a long-term lifelong strategy. It's, it's not something that's just momentary. That speaks to the importance of we were not designed to do this alone. So not having those conversations with your spouse is already something that's going to set you back financially because God puts you together for a reason. And part of that is to manage the gifts that he's given you. Mm -hmm. And in line with that, sometimes a couple can't do it alone and Mm -hmm. they need outside help. There are so many options, so many different ways you could invest your money. What's the best way to go? So many new things out there that we're wondering, is this a place where we should place our money? And we frankly don't have the time to become an expert in that. Can you speak a little bit to how you incorporate teamwork into a couple's finances? Yes. So uh, it's very important to just first decide to be on the same page, right? Nobody does financial planning the same. Because everyone has completely different situations, especially in blended families, because you may have child support and you may have things from the past marriage. You may have financial situations that you still have to deal with from the previous marriage. So there's really no one way to do finances. It's just the biggest thing really is 
sitting down together and coming into agreement on how you are going to manage the finances. So if you make it a point that at least once a month, you are going to have your time with your spouse where you're going to look at how you're going to do it and how you're going to manage it. That's what's going to allow you to be effective. And within in that time, it's really just everything that has to do with organizing and planning your finances for the next month. So I like to usually do it in the beginning of the month, like right before the first, so like a couple of days before the, the first of the month. And what do we do? We sit down, we have a spending plan, we, we're in agreement on, on the bills because they're like sitting right in front of us. So we know how much money needs to come out the whole month. We know how much money comes in the whole month. We know how everything is going to get paid. And then we sit down and we talk about all the extra nuances and we look at the calendar. Okay, what's going, what's coming up? April is a big month for us, honey, because there we have two kids' birthdays. We have a wedding that, that we got invited to. The church is having a huge fundraiser and we agreed to make a financial commitment for that. So there's a lot of extra expenses within that month that weren't part of last month or the month before that. So sitting down and being able to have that conversation with your spouse and then coming to agreement on how that's going to get paid or what can get done or what can't get done is going to allow you to get ahead of it and allow you to, to move forward in it. This is also an amazing time to really talk about long-term things. One of our biggest issues when it comes to our finances sometimes is the emergencies. So many emergencies are truly just emergencies. Like we would have never thought, we would have never known it's just an emergency that happens. But there's other emergencies that we kind of know that they're going to happen. If you know that your dishwasher or your um, washer and dryer are 10, 15 years old, and for your house, that's that's a staple object because you have five kids and you just need it in order to be able to do laundry and do everything. It's going to give soon. Like it's, you know, that it's coming. So how awesome would it be to sit down with your spouse and say, okay, honey, the goal for this year, the thing that we need to make sure that we have the money for is the washer and dryer. So let's save up for the next six months or let's save up for the next year so that we have that money ready to go once the machine gives. So it's really like sitting down, planning, coordinating, and really trying to be future focused with everything with all the moving pieces within our finances. That's good. That's really good. One, uh, one recommendation for having this conversation is writing down the worst case scenario. Like what is the worst case scenario that we're going to experience to take the fear out of it? This is what I'm hearing with this monthly budget meeting to say, okay, let's look at what we have. Let's look at what we know. And when we do put things down on paper, it does it really takes the fear out of it. Again, it turns that emotion that you're feeling about that money situation into a fact on a sheet of paper. We have $15,000 in debt. Okay, instead of spending time on all the emotions that are negative associated with that, we, we need to work on the plan together. And this is where I really appreciate you talking about long range planning and long range commitment so that you know that you are on the same team together financially, that you are effectively communicating. And I know that if you have success in your finances, you're going to have success in other key areas in your relationship as a couple and in your family. Yeah. 
And the reality is that we probably wouldn't spend the money the same way. That's why a conversation is also important. Let's say we're sitting down and we're having our financial planning meeting. And for whatever good reason, we have $5,000 coming in extra. If you were to ask hubby, most likely he's going to have a list of things that are important and that he says, these are the three things that we should spend this money on. But most likely the wife is going to have three completely different things that she feels are important for the finances and for the household. Because we all think of things and see things differently. So maybe not to be cliche-ish, but this is just as an example, right? Maybe hubby's the house really needs this for repair. And the wife is, no, the kids need this, you know, because sometimes because we're with the kids, we see more of the children's needs. No, they need clothes. They need braces. They need, we need money for an activity for them. We're just looking at it from such a different perspective. Sitting down and coming together and making a plan for that extra money is key. If you wrote it down and if you already came into agreement, maybe you do two things on the husband's list and then you do two things on the wife's list and then you put two other things on the next one or you pick one top thing from the wife's list and one top things from the husband's list. Like, you know, you, you come into agreement. I think that's the point of it. it. It's not to make financial decisions just on our own perspective, but really making that space for our spouse and honoring that they see the need to spend the money in a different way and being able to make space for each other uh, and then making space for, for that other option. And sometimes that may be even one of us, like whether it's husband or wife, being able to lay down that desire until the next month. Because sometimes we just can't do it all, you know. Terry, we started talking about healing and how we get into difficulties financially, bringing different uh, perspectives and things like that. But you also mentioned to us the importance then of bringing God into the process of your financial planning. So bringing God in the process of, of our financial planning can be done in many ways. One, just when you sit down right before you plan, invite God in, invite the Holy Spirit into the planning. So just sit down and pray, make that space where you're both relaxed and you're not like having a ton of distractions and just say, Lord, we need your wisdom and we need your guidance in within the other way that we honor God within our financial planning is just remembering that he wants us to be good stewards of our money, that God cares about that. So the Bible tells us that God is owner. God is owner of everything. There's countless verses that tell us that he owns the land, the animals, the gold, the silver. He owns everything. So he owns everything. And we honor him by giving him the position of owner. The Bible also tells us that we are meant to be administrators, stewards, that we are meant to have dominion. When we have that mindset shift, where we become the managers of everything that's coming into our hands, and he is the owner, and we honor him through our stewardship, through our tithes, through our offerings, then that allows us to make the space that, that he wants and that he needs within our finances. Those are some ways that we can really include God in the process and understanding that the Bible literally has over 3,000 verses that deal with finances, with money, with debt, with savings, with all these things 
So just really making sure that when we're making a financial decision, it's in line with the word of God and it's in line with what he would like us to do. That's going to make a huge difference in whether or not we truly are managing our finances with the Lord in mind. As a steward, our finances are just one piece. And as we've said, the way you treat your finances are going to be the way you treat the Lord in all areas of your marriage because you are a steward. And, and Jesus had some things to say about the un faithful steward as well. We've mentioned a couple of times the issue of, of retirement. Now, what is our ultimate goal? If we're going to retire, for example, to what are we retiring toward? I think that's very different for every single person. Everybody retires in, in, in a different way. Everybody has a different retirement strategy. Everybody um, sees it differently. For example, if there has been a pastor who has been a pastor for 30, 40 years living out his calling and his purpose, and he chooses to retire, it might be for rest at that point. He could be in his 70s, 80s, and he's deciding to retire for rest. On the other hand, maybe somebody was working, they, they were financially well, and they were able to make a good amount of money for retirement in their 60s. And they always felt like this push and tug in their spirit to really serve the, the kingdom and really serve the community. So they retire and that money that comes in now allows them to really just spend the rest of the years that they have living in purpose and giving back to the community and to the church and, and to all that. Um, so retirement can be something different in so many levels for so many different people. So it's really just coming into agreement with your spouse on what retirement looks like for the both of you. Is retirement for the purpose of just being able to save that money and not have to worry about anything financially in the future? Is it ministry-based? Is it purpose-based? What is the, the goal of your retirement? But also take into consideration, right, that if we don't save that money, where is it going to come from? I think that's, at the end of the day, that's the, 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 the point, right? It's not necessarily just about, it's not about how much or how little or what's going to happen once I retired. It's being sure that together you're in agreement on what the plan is and what God is calling you to do within your specific financial plan. God says, seek first his kingdom and he'll add these other things. I often put it this way. You worry about God's stuff. He worries about yours. And I think that's part of being a steward. Absolutely. It's making that space. It's just really stopping, pausing, and saying to ourselves, are we honoring God? Hmm. Am I honoring God in my finances? Am I honoring God in how I'm treating my wife? Am I honoring God in how I'm treating my husband? Am I honoring God with my children? It, it really is all that. And if we're good at doing that, in one specific area of our lives, and we should be able to carry that through continuously to all other areas because it's a heart condition. At the end mm -hmm. of the day, it's a heart condition. So if our hearts are aligned and we're constantly resubmitting our heart, our desires, our wants, our needs, our circumstances, our situations, if we continue to bring those to the Lord, then we'll be walking in that purpose. For the benefit of everyone, really, for the benefit of first honoring God, because he's our Lord, he's our God, 
but then also to be able to be who our spouse needs us to be in the sense of of what God wants us to be for that person, to lift that person up, to to be there for them, to be of love, of light, to not be a stumbling block, to but to be of joy. So it's it's important to really honor God in in all those ways. I'm thinking about the imprinting and how we often have these messages that play over and over in our mind. Oh, it's never going to get better, or it's too hard, we're too far in debt, we don't communicate well, all of those things. And yet what I hear you saying is that before you even pull out the pencil and paper, so to speak, that you put your hearts out there on the table and you invite God in to give you direction. And that speaks to the importance of a vision. When you say, what do you want to do? What does retirement look like for you? If you don't give yourself the time, which is the most valuable currency, by the way, T-I-M-E, not the dollar bill. (laughs) If you don't invest the time in spending time with the Lord and seeking him and asking him to reveal to you what the desires of your hearts really are, uh, it's really going to be difficult to make progress. Today, we've talked about the importance of starting at the very beginning that, hey, if there's some hurts and some wounds and some unforgiveness, that's where we need to start. We need to start with healing and then we can begin to talk pretty good together. It's a pretty good conversation. So the next step is really good communication. And this is where we encourage that when you need some outside help, that you seek outside help as well for people who can give you information so you can make better decisions as you're having that effective communication. And then although we haven't labeled it, we've been dancing all around it, this planning, that planning is so important to bring the two of you on the same sheet of music. So I'm curious, what about, what is it about your kiddos that makes you crazy with how they manage money? Oh boy, you you had to take it there, huh? Yeah, this is a, I love this topic because I think it's just so important. I have noticed my children's predispositions in terms of being a spender and being a saver since they were so little. What we used to always do is I would give the kids $5 each and I, because we want to train them, right, to make decisions themselves with finances, with money. So I would give them five bucks each, let them walk into 7-Eleven and see what they do. So my daughter would take the money. She would be holding those $5, walking around from aisle to aisle, like taking it slow. And then she would buy one or two things, show up to the cash register, and it was like $2. And she would have those $3 extra saved up. My son would blaze through the aisles. He would stack the chips and the drinks and the candy and show up to the register with this like whole pack of stuff. And then the register would ring and it would be like $7.50. Nope. Sorry, child. You have $5. So therefore you need to take some things back and we need to organize and fix this whole thing. And that one example is truly an example of how they see you and want to handle money even now, um, like five, six years later. So definitely that to me, that just feeds in me the reminder that 
we definitely are just born with specific traits on how we see and view and want to handle money. So it's definitely a, a very interesting topic. And I always try to work on her weaknesses, like on the areas that where she may need a little bit of strengthening when it comes to her mindset and, and how she sees money. And then I do the same thing for him. We've literally had to implement different plans and strategies individually for each of them to seed that that idea um, of giving to the Lord and of including him and, and, and everything. One of the things that I love, which I think is is key, that I recommend this for, for everyone. We've been doing it since they were little. They still have the boxes, even though we're starting to get out of it because they're getting a little older. I have a 12-year-old and I have a 14-year-old. But when our children were about five, six years old, we made boxes for them and we gave them three envelopes. We gave them a savings envelope, a giving envelope and a spending envelope. And we would give them like what you would call an allowance. Now, the allowance was not money that they just got for no reason. It was like partially money that they did get because we just chose to give them an, an allowance. But the other part was kind of helping out around the house and making sure they fulfilled their house obligations. So we weren't paying them to do the house things, but we were like doing it like in that mixed idea. Because I know some people feel very particular about paying their kids to do chores. But nonetheless, that's how that's how we ran it. And every time they got the money, we got them used to taking each dollar and putting it in its separate place, each dollar putting it in its separate place. When we would go to church on Sunday, they would take their money and, you know, that was in the giving envelope and they would give it to, to, to the church. Or we would also allow them to make a choice if, the, if there was a missionary coming in or there was a big thing going on within the kids program, then we said, would you like to give this money to the church or would you like to seed it into the missionary fund or into the kids fund? Like we gave them autonomy over their own money, but they knew that that money was specifically labeled for that. So that's something that um, I think is super helpful and super important because it ingrains in them since they're very little. We give to God first, we save, and then we spend. That's really good. Families may be struggling with what they feel like is out of their control. So there are a lot of things that are out of your control when the kids are not with you, that when they're at their other parent's house, then they're going to be subjected to different different ideas, uh, particularly about money, but about many things. I want to encourage our parents out there right now that it's okay. God knows that they're at the other household for the time that they're there. And there's really little influence that you can have on that household in that home. Instead, focus on the influence that you do have in your own home. And you can set this up. In fact, we did it with the boys. As a matter of fact, the envelopes, we had a couple more envelopes. We actually made them, let's say we gave allocations like 1% was for taxes because, you know, the government, the tyrannical government takes their money and groceries and rent. So we allocated percentages and then what they could do with the rest of it. And we do have one spender and we do have one saver. Uh, it's been interesting to see that play out as well. And they're going to carry that all along the way. And, and as you said, I like what you said about teaching them how to strengthen those areas where they need strengthening in their money mindset. This is all about acquiring new information or evaluating information that you've heard countless times before and deciding that today is the day that we are going to have a financial plan with the Lord. 
today is the day that we are going to embrace that we are not where we want to be. We don't exactly know how we're going to get where we want to go. We may not actually even know where we want to go. We have ideas, but we haven't taken the time to talk about those and plan for those. In church, Bill will often say, today can be your spiritual birthday when you accept the Lord. And so this can be your financial birthday where you decide that you will manage your finances well as a couple and as a family. I've seen the times where I've wavered, where I've doubted, where I couldn't see it in my natural eyes, how God was going to get me out of the hole or out of the mess or out of the situation with my husband or the situation with my child. And I've seen myself stay stuck in that. But then I've also seen when I finally let go and submitted and released and said, you know what, Lord, I can't see it. I have no idea how we're going to get out of this. And I have no idea how this problem is going to be solved, but I give it to you. I believe you and I have faith in how much you love me and what you're going to do. And the minute that I've done that, the millet that I've relinquished, that I've released, that's when I've seen God's glory. And that's when I've seen the Holy Spirit move in my finances, in my marriage, within my children, because I was no longer holding it with my own strength and with my own might, but I gave it unto the Lord. So if we can stop and let go of it and give it to God, it, it's a spiritual act. It's something that that is just, it has no words. You just do it, you release, you give, and he does. And it can be literally minutes later, all of a sudden, something happens. It could be days, it could be weeks. It could even be sometimes in a completely different area of your life that you didn't even realize that's actually the area that needed the healing. That's actually the area that God needed to work in order for you to get your prayer. Yes, absolutely. Don't stay stuck in your own mind, in your own ideas, in your capacity of what you think is going to happen or not happen. Just close your eyes, let it go, release it into his hands, and you are going to see just how powerfully God and the Holy Spirit can move in your life to bring you to where you need to be. Terry, you've been so inspirational in the conversation today, outlining three simple points, the healing, the communication, and the planning for sound financial management that glorifies God. And God is so good to build into our marriages then and to bring us joy and reward us. Uh, there, I don't know how many verses there are in scripture, like you could quote the money verses. I don't know how many there are for rewards, but I know that rewards are prevalent. And God encourages us, as my husband says, to choose door number one, blessings, not door number two, curses. So you are door number one. Where can people find you? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, I am very active on uh, on LinkedIn and on Instagram. I'm under I am Terry Pena. And those are my handles for Facebook and Instagram. Uh, And I just love working with families. I love working with Christian families and doing the comprehensive financial planning. Uh, That's that's what I am passionate about. I love integrating God and making sure that he is at the core, at the center of everything that we do. 
and also about following the practical steps, right? Because faith without work is dead, right? So we believe God, we know God, we know that he's able, but then there's a part that we have to put into action, the part that we're called to do, which is the stewardship and the planning and the communication and, and, and getting together. So that's what I do. I sit down with families, with couples and individuals as well. And we take about 45 minutes to an hour. We go over, you know, what the goals are, what the dreams are, what are the areas that, that they really need help in, whether maybe there's some debt or maybe there's um, some investments or anything that, that they need to work on and grow and, and create a plan for. We sit down, we look at all those different things in all those areas, we make sure we have a comprehensive approach. And then we create strategies that are going to help that family get to where they need to go. That's great. And they can find you and just click to schedule this free consultation. Yep. They could find me and on my Instagram, there'll be a link uh, where they can just book a consultation. They could just also send me a message and say, hey, Terry, this is what we have going on. I would love to sit down with you and, and see um, how you can help us in, in that specific area at and I will definitely reach back to them. We will be sure to put those in the show notes. So if people are unable to click on your lovely Instagram account, which by the way, that thing is awesome. I look at it and it brings me so much joy. It looks like you had some fun rock climbing not too long ago. So how did that go? Somebody asked you if you got to the top. Did you get to the top? I did not. But let me tell you that it was a miracle that I even got on because <laughs> I literally stayed on the bottom for a good half an hour. And I was like, I'm not going up there. I'm not going up there. And I just said to myself, I refuse to live in fear and I refuse to not do something because of fear. And I really genuinely wanted to go up and do it. It was only fear that kept me from doing it. So I brushed it off and just. Went up. I didn't make it to the top, but I nonetheless, I went up. What a great place to end. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's such a treat to have you on Step Family Mission Possible. Yes, thank you. No, Terry. thank you guys for having me. It was amazing. This is, guys, I, I'm sure you guys can relate. This is why we do what we do. We want to include God and we want to see God really change the lives of these people of our own lives. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. For sure. We know that it's really easy to talk about our money. It's a whole lot harder to implement these strategies. And that's why I'm inviting you to join the Facebook group. You'll find answers in there and not only answers, but you'll actually find Terry Pina herself in the group. Put your questions in the group on how to successfully implement these three simple points of the healing, the communication, and the planning for sound financial management that glorifies God. All right, join the Facebook group. There's great stuff happening in there. Okay, family, catch you next time.